Hello, Lloyd's List Podcasts. Before you start listening to this week's episode, I want to remind you all to register for this year's Outlook webinar on December the 8th at 9am UK time. You can go to lloydslist.com and follow the banner at the top of the homepage or follow the link in the podcast notes, but sign up you must. This is the big one. It's our annual look at the forces shaping shipping. And in addition to the all-star cast I mentioned last week, which includes Kerry Troth from Shell, Michael Parker from City, and Rasmus Bach-Nielsen from Traffic Europe, we now have Magda Kupczynska from the European Commission. I guarantee you it's the one hour of 2022 that is going to set you up for the whole of 2023. So register for free today and make sure you don't miss out. Thank you, and on with this week's edition of the podcast. The Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. The introduction of greener fuels at scale is some years ahead of us. That much is clear, at least, as the energy ministers start heading home from Egypt this weekend with only a few selfies of themselves in front of the pyramids and a holdall full of compromises to show for two weeks' worth of climate negotiations. But the race to zero is already shaping the strategic outlook of companies. Now, I've made this argument several times over on the podcast that shipping's traditional business models are not necessarily going to survive this transition, and that for many small to medium-sized ship owners, large-scale sector integration could prove difficult. And that's because they simply bring too little volume to the table. Only the largest ship owners with the strongest balance sheets seem to be battle-ready for an energy systems shift Digitalization, standardization, economies of scale, these are all well-trodden paths of topics that we've discussed on this podcast many times over. But they imply long-term changes for the industry that I'm not sure enough of us are thinking about in terms of strategically changing business models now. One person who has been thinking about these changes for some time is an old friend of the podcast, Christopher Rex, who is the Head of Innovation and Research at Danish Ship Finance. Now, I've been keenly following the evolution of Christopher's thinking around these subjects for several years. And what started as a sort of thought experiment, I guess, around the fourth industrial revolution and how that might affect the business of shipping and future trade patterns, well, that's now evolved over the years into a much more considered view of what happened next. The latest Danish ship finance report came out earlier this week, and if you haven't read it, I urge you to go and do so. It's always compelling reading. Given the context of COP27, uh, on which we shall be going into far more detail next week, I thought it would be an opportune moment to get Christopher back onto the podcast to explain why he thinks that many ship owners are not going to be winning the industry's race to zero. The first and foremost important element in considering the transition of of the shipping industry is to understand that we are moving towards a future where we need to do significantly more long-term planning. So we need to do long-term planning in terms of how we operate and upgrade our vessels. And to my understanding, the evolution of shifting fuel from the current fuel supply to something that is either, either let's say, greener, greener fuels, whatever we call it, ammonia or methanol, will be a question around these fuels are not a broadly available no spot markets exist. So players that would like to 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 burn them would need to engage in long-term contracts uh, to to purchase them. There's no distribution channel at the moment. They are more expensive to buy. 
some technical issues around them. Many many vessels are dual fuel, so we can we can we can we can do a little bit of traditional fuels and some uh, greener fuels. But in, in in all aspects, we will need to do long term long term commitments on the fuel size. And when we suddenly have a long term capital commitment on the, on, on on the one hand, it will be natural to also do a long-term commitment on the income side as well. So suddenly we are changing the, the, the nature of the shipping industry by large by moving from something that is largely driven by the uh, by the asset game of buying and selling ships, buying them cheaper than you sell them for. And suddenly we are beginning to look towards an industry structure where the cash flow yield of owning and operating the ships looks more to be the, to be the future value driver. And I said owning and operating because if you are not owning the ships but simply operating them, your long-term efficiency improvements will be a question around what, how good can you negotiate with tonnage providers, and what kind of what kind of repayment periods can be accepted in the in the in the in the quest between operator and, and owner. And I think that this requires significantly longer planning. This is not only about uh, introducing three, five, seven percent efficiency gains. This is a significantly longer quest where we need to have both initially the low-hanging fruits, and I'm sure that everybody is is working to harvest these at the moment. But the next the next steps will be significantly more difficult, significantly more costly, and will take longer time to repay. And again, if we have a ship that is operating on a fuel on a long-term contract with a, with a long-term employment profile as well, these ships are not uh, candidates in a future asset game simply because you, you have committed them on long-term contracts. So no matter whether the, the average uh, uh, Panamax bulk carrier out there is suddenly seeing a significant spike in second-hand val second values, your, your, your Panamax bulk carrier uh, operating on these long-term green contracts will not be able to participate simply because you have a shell of both investment and, 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 and employment behind you. Mm. And I think that's really important because a lot of the focus that I'm seeing you know, as we're talking, you know, half the industry is out in Egypt discussing the energy transition in its widest form at COP. But I think the focus has been on the technical uh, transition, uh, the cost and the availability of the fuels. But you take the argument to a, a, the next level. Its logical conclusion is that the business models of shipping that this industry has relied on you know, since post-war periods that fundamentally has to change in order for the economies of scale to make sense at some level. And the implications for ship owners, and uh, we talk about them as if they're a homogenous you know, group of uh, people. Of course, they're not. There are large ship owners and there are medium sized ship owners and the small ship owners. The average ship owner is just five ships. The average ship owner, this fragmented middle, squeezed middle of shipping that we talk about on this podcast a lot, they are under threat in your view of, of how this evolves. Sure, and, and and I think it is both a question about the ability to. It is not a question about the ability to buy a ship because most of the existing players can continue doing that, but the ability to secure a, a, a next generation fuel supply is significantly more difficult, to my understanding. Eventually, all ship owners, when we wake up one morning and we have a spot market of, let's say, green ammonia and green methanol globally available distribution channels in place, blah, 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 all that, then everybody can do it. But we are talking about this transition period where these are not available and where you are committing yourself both to 
an offtake of, of a fuel, but also you are promising your cargo owners to deliver a decarbonized or at least a significantly more green product to them than what they can find in the spot market. And, 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 and in, in this area and in this transition period, I think that the smaller and the mid-sized owners will find it difficult not only to buy the fuel, but also to justify the investments in digitalization and digital twins and route planning and in all, all the adjacent domains that it requires to be upgraded before we can begin to see an energy efficiency leadership that can justify the higher cost. We need to introduce significant cost savings together with significant newer fuels. So we both, we need to save cost, we need to secure long income streams, and we need to have a relatively good visibility on employment to see that actually cost and incomes seems likely to meet in, in, in the years to come. So it's both a fuel question, but it's also an investment into digitalization, uh, more advanced new technologies, and you need to have a critical size to justify these kind of these kind of investments. We, we are normally talking, I, I like your arguments on, on the average ship owner only owns these four to five ships. And we normally talk about the ship owner as if all players out there are the sizes of Maersk or, or players like Maersk. But 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 as you, as, you, as you correctly mentioned, the reality out there is significantly more diverse, and 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 a lot of people, a lot of players out there will find it much more difficult to make these investments than the, than the, than the very largest players. So I definitely see it is challenging times ahead for many of these. I mean, you first started talking about this, to my knowledge, several years ago, and I think you were considered something of an outlier when you first started positing this theory in in the conference circuit and you know, there was a lot of criticism i think you know people questioning your logic what you are saying now is becoming more mainstream in the thinking of the industry but you're still talking about things happening long term i would argue that we're already seeing a fragmentation of the industry a, a tiered industry developing and and the mersks and the cargills of the world are pursuing a different uh, strategy from the average ship owner. Do, do you think that the, the seeds of these changes, they're already happening before our eyes? They are already happening. And I think it'll be even more visible when we begin to see CII ratings playing out. I'm a great believer that uh, CII ratings will create, create earnings layers. So suddenly we'll begin to see that sister vessels are no longer obtaining the same CII rating because they are not operated on the same routes and not, may, might not be operated by the same owner uh, or by the same operator. And suddenly we'll begin to see that some owners are able to operate and optimize vessels beyond what other, what other owners are able to do. And that means that a sister vessel owned by a large player that are fully digitalized, that are super advanced, becoming are able to generate a higher income and burn less fuel than the sister vessels that are owned by, let's say, a smaller tonnage provider that is not in control of how the vessel is being operated. So this, to my understanding, will be generating a consolidation push towards owners that are also operating their own ships and presumably are getting larger and larger. I'm not talking about, let's say, the, the, this was Maersk's meeting with, emerging with MSC or something like that. I'm, I'm much more cautious on that smaller players will need to come together, not, not only in pools as what we have already seen, both on the container side and, and in, 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 in some of the tramp, tramp, uh, tramp industries, but much more likely that it will be broad-based where we'll have to have operational integration and ownership integration where we can invest both onshore and offshore for a longer time span than what is, what, what is currently done 
by the by the average ship owner. Of course, some ship owners are already doing this a lot, but but I think it will be more more outspoken and CII ratings and increased regulatory pressure and the EU ETS and all that will only intensify the need to do these investments. Mm. And you've, I mean, you've spoken about scale and, and the efficiency there, but you've also linked it to, you know, a diversification of revenue streams almost for, for how uh, ship owners operate. And, and that digitalization aspect is key there. I mean, how, how else do you think that ship owners are going to be changing in order to fit in with these, uh, you know, this this new sort of epoch that we're talking about? I think that what, what we will begin to see, and I think the green corridors that are already emerging and there's a big topic on COP27 these days is, is part of the equation, but we are we are already seeing that cargo owners, uh, some of the large owners are coming together and trying to identify where can we find the stable volumes that we can actually create into a green corridor and we can optimize. And I think this will need to 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 move significantly beyond the early pilots and the early green corridors. So we will, I think we will begin to see a much more planned, much more structured industry, and maybe also much more tired industry where we have different different layers in industry, where some volumes will clearly be be committed on long-term contracts and basically saying that. The, the spot markets in many in many commodities will will shrink because the things that we can stabilize and the, the 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 volumes that we can create into green corridors are likely to go in that direction and and then we will need to have significantly different premiums on volumes that will need to be moved either outside some of these main lanes where we can optimize or in all towards areas either for loading or discharging where we are seeing that vessels are waiting let's say 20 days 20 days plus, uh, simply because the supply chains are not super smooth in these areas. So everything that will begin to increase the environmental footprint beyond anything that is highly appreciated by the cargo owners will need to be differently priced going forward, to my understanding. We we talk about the industry as if they have a, a choice in making some of these changes, but I question how much agency individual ship owners have in in this future that you're laying out uh, do, do you think the industry is in control of its future as you are setting it out mm, i think some people are clearly uh, doing their utmost and some some of the ship owners have massive balance sheets and 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 some of them are conglomerates where shipping is just one part of what they are doing so so clearly there's no no one size fits all here some players have some impact while others are I, uh, seems less impactful in, 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 in the, on their sides. I think it is it's not a choice whether we can decarbonize or not, but it can be a choice whether we ship goods from A to B or whether we relocate production to, to an area where it is easier to produce with, let's say, green greener electricity or closer to consumers. And we know that we have seen in the container industry, but also in, 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 in other industries that ranging from from textile that is super low value added all the way to semiconductors that are high value added uh, products we are able today to create what we could call zero labor production or almost fully automated production of these goods the access to electricity is almost priced the same across geographies we have as regional differences but not something that's massive we have quite good access to renewable energy in in, in most locations at the moment access to, uh, to 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 talent is also available in in most places 
and the and and the rule of law is clearly something that we are navigating together with together with the geopolitical challenges. So the question could be as much in which segments will we see significant changes to to demand patterns and trading trading routes in the years going going ahead of us. And we have already seen, for example, in in the case of BMW producing the BMW i3, where we saw that that the, the production moved to the U.S., where we have plenty of access to to uh, to green electricity. I'm sure it could have been done elsewhere as well, but we are already beginning to see that also high-value added products, and they are, are relocating. And we are seeing that supply chain resiliency and and uh, the environmental footprint on both scope one, two, and three emissions are to a larger, a larger extent becoming defining elements in what we do, how we do it, where we do it, rather than in the past it was largely a question of for the container side on on access to low to low cost labor. Today the environmental footprint will be equally important, and that will also leave a massive footprint. Uh, or could also leave a massive footprint on trade volumes and trade patterns for many many different vessel segments, including uh, the bulk the bulk carrier segments. Well, there we will leave Christopher and the podcast for this week. As I mentioned at the beginning, COP twenty seven was still underway as we were putting out this week's edition, uh, and on recent form, the final cover decisions from COP are not expected to come out on time. So I wanted to leave a few days before I push out the next edition of the podcast, which will explore how much progress we've really seen at COP27 and what happens next at the IMO. It's still a work in progress, but I can promise you it is going to be an interesting one. So expect next week's edition to be a little earlier than usual. For now, though, thank you for listening. And once you've signed up to our Outlook forum via loislist.com, have a good week. Cheers. Cheers.